0: Check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218.
1: Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Yeah! It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible.
2: The entire Bible every year.
1: on Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar.
3: Welcome to the Bible Live. I it, went dead. All of a sudden, I went dead. The music went out. Oh, I could say you something. You hear me, right? So I hear
4: you in here. I don't know.
3: Uh, no. Oh, well, John can help us. He'll solve all problems, technical and otherwise. Uh, well, i like to lives. work on the otherwise have, right have, after Yeah, the have show. trouble with your marriage? Just ask John. Have trouble with, you know, whatever. <laughs> Got a pain in your left side? Just ask John. He'll get it straightened out. Okay, now that. Is that better? Does that help at all? No, evidently not. So let's see what happens. All right. Yeah, okay. Uh, as long as you can see and hear me, that's what's important. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Jacob, J- Soapy and Jacob here in the uh, studio. And you uh, out there in your vehicle, in your ha- home, or a place of work. Some folks listen from all over the place. We've got truck drivers that join us in the evenings and uh, and, uh All different situations. We're glad you're aboard with us tonight. We're going to continue... I didn't say bored with us tonight. Aboard, a okay. So uh, we are going to continue uh, our way through the scriptures. We read Monday through Friday. As, if you listen uh, to this great station at nine thirty in the evening, as you're settling down for a night's nice rest, you get to hear a ten to fifteen or fifteen to twenty minute reading from the scriptures and the entire Bible every year. Just the Bible itself. What I that that. Greatest program on radio, as far as I'm concerned, letting you hear every chapter, every verse, every book of the Bible, every year. We're coming down to the end of our uh, year, our t- journey through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We start in the month of November. Hey, I got a great thought. Yeah, what? Well, Revelation. Revelation? No, rev.
4: Let's try this again. <laughs> revolution. Revolution. You know, uh, remember Andy Warhol? Uh huh. Okay. He once made a painting called Revolution. Uh huh. And, and the Beatles, Beatles once made a song. Okay. But his painting, as I was saying, is that when you make a revolution, you end up right back where you started. <laughs> that it, is it, true. It, it's it's colorful. It goes in a big circle. It fades and fades, but it regains its color and comes back full color after it completes its revelation.
3: How about that? Well, uh-huh. he's there's something. So this is the book of Revelation. This is the book of Revolution. okay. So so there's something to that artist stuff after all. Uh, they do they do think a little bit. They just don't throw paint on the wall. Uh, evidently, I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, we have made as we. Made Make that journey every year. We have come now, uh, this past week, we finished reading the last two chapters of the book of Jeremiah, and, uh, and then we read the entire book of Lamentations, which is Aika in Hebrew, right? That is correct. It means just mourning and well, it's grief like, it's like being in
4: so much mourning i'm in so pain i, I, I almost can't say a word i just go I uh,
3: so. yeah it's just it's deep that's deep like, grieving and yeah, lamentation right, yeah. and uh, the word lamentation is too kind of uh it doesn't exactly communicate that it, it, it has the meaning, technically, lamentation, grieving, weeping, crying out to God. I always
4: thought it was something I put on a, on a card I kept in my wallet.
3: Oh, I thought you were going to say have a, a medicine you put on a wound. Let me have a little lamentation Uh-oh. on my... Yeah. But anyway, that's the book of Lamentation. Job is a book about personal suffering, and uh, Lamentation is is the... Uh, Actually, it's the follow-up to the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian troops came and they wiped out, I don't know how many, five, six million, I believe, that were said to have died. Uh, no, not the Babylonians. The Romans killed
4: two, oh, two, oh, two and a half million. Okay. But the Babylonians killed. Oh, well, they killed a good number. Yeah, yeah. They, they, but I will tell you something about Lamentations. Uh huh. Here's an interesting thought. Through the entire five chapters, as we break it down these days, It's all about Jeremiah talking about the city and the people. He never says, oh, I am hurt so bad. They really hurt me. They did this to me. It's not selfish at all. It's all nothing except concerned about others.
3: And he would have had every right to complain personally because he was... As they say, sorely mistreated. He was—I um, mean, he was ignored. He was persecuted. He was put him down in, into a well, into a cistern. They I'm going to guess he was interrupted in a lot of his sentences too. I don't know. Uh, he did what? I'm going
4: to guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess that he was interrupted in a lot of his
3: sentences. <laughs> probably, probably a very frustrated guy. Very frustrated, uh, but. That's as you and then, and you pointed out last week he got uh, kidnapped. Ah uh, yes, yes, taken down into in Egypt.
4: chapter 43 he does get kidnapped mm-hmm. and he's taken down to uh, Egypt against his will uh-huh. and it's a very fast uh, chapter 43 it's fascinating. And so it gets kidnapped. Of Jeremiah. Of Jeremiah. I'm sorry. And uh, all goes up through chapter fifty-one. And at the end of chapter fifty-one, it says that's the end of Jeremiah's prophecies. But we have a chapter fifty-two. So somebody else wrote it. And soapy, who wrote it?
3: Probably. I'm, I'm guessed earlier that it was probably Baruch, his uh, executive assistant. He had a, he had a, an assistant, a helper that that worked with him. It seemed like somebody else had a a Baruch as well, or is it? Yeah, it's a fairly common name. Is it okay? It seemed like Elijah. Actually, do you know what that means? Baruch, assistant. I'm guessing.
4: Would you like another guess? Shot in the dark. I'm just wondering if you'd like another guess. No. If you were to guess, like uh, blessed, Uh uh-huh, then you'd probably get right. So, what what do you think? Baruch Hashem. Uh-huh. What what do you want to guess it means? I've heard the word Baruch Hashem, so that. Means blessed. blessed, I guess. Okay. So his name means bless. Okay. How about that?
3: Well, uh, so anyway, it looks like maybe Baruch wrote the last chapter. Uh, as, you end, as, you, as you end up the book of Jeremiah, the last thing, uh, in a way, it's kind of funny because the last thing that Zedekiah, who, who was the final, the last king, are, are you going to of start Israel? off by saying it's kind of funny? No, I shouldn't You'd do that. You better so.
4: retract that young well, man.
3: Well, let's say it's um I was going to say, the last thing we see in the book of Jeremiah...
4: Oh, are you making a bad pun?
3: There you go. The last thing you see? Oh, soapy. And and the last thing Zedekiah saw. I want you all to
4: know, this was not rehearsed, and this is Soapy (laughs) making a pun about seeing and saying it's fun. Sticking
3: his foot in his mouth easily. But Zedekiah, this final king, uh, they took him to Babylon. His eyes were gouged out, and, and the last thing he saw... Uh, with his, with the death yeah. of his own children. Yeah. and there can was you a-
4: imagine uh, the the skill and expertise of torture? They wanted him to witness children, all of his children get killed, then put his eyes out, and don't kill him, but he's got to live in a prison. And the last thing he ever saw they can ever remember is the death of his children. Can you imagine the expertise of torture that those Babylonians knew how to do? Yeah.
3: And it wasn't just like, uh, even for any of us, to see something like that would be horrendous, and and it it would be terrible, but he is the king, and so it's not only... Just the death of his children, but his whole lineage and his whole hope for the future and you know, that his son would sit on the throne and his reign would be continuing through them. I mean, it had all of these extra elements of of horror. And the Babylonians, they had a goal in mind. There's something it's,
4: it's mentioned, but you don't catch a theme unless you catch the theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of peoples knew that the Jews were expecting a Messiah. Mm-hmm. They didn't know when or how, but they expect this. So there's a spot in the endings of, a Jer- of Jeremiah where it lists, uh, I forget, I, I think the number 93, of other people that could have produced uh, somebody in the line of kingship for the tribe of Judah. And they killed them. Now, the ones they took back to Babylon... You know what they did to them, right?
3: Yes. Uh, they were, um, I've forgotten the word. Let's say castrated. Yes, yes, okay. Dan- they were made so that they could not reproduce, right. couldn't so, have children. And
4: now you have to ask yourself a question. So they killed the other heirs in Judah, they thought. And they took the other ones that trained them, uh, Daniel and the other three guys, and and they castrated them. They were they, so. They were making sure that there'd be no heir in the tribe of Judah to ever fulfill the prophecy of making a Messiah. They understood it. Don't you find that fascinating?
3: Oh, I do. I, I, it, but actually, as we look throughout the scriptures from the book of Genesis, although you know, to the, we continually see, uh, and of course, we attribute ultimately to satan himself who resists god and god's people and god's redemptive plan that he's continually trying to cut off that lineage uh, even in back oh in the book of genesis and up to abraham and up to moses and you see these constant interruptions of 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 uh and we believe we see machinations on a spiritual level that that satan is trying to Kill off the Jewish people. The, the the because one of the promises to Abraham is that in his through his lineage through the people of Israel would come the, the Messiah the Redeemer the Savior not only of the, of Israel but of the world and so I, I think we see that constantly there is this attempt and of course here we have an example of that trying to cut off that that. Messianic lineage, that debt promise of a redeemer that would come through the line of King David, you so, know, and, and I'm not going to dwell on this. Mm-hmm. This is a topic for another time.
4: but you know, recently there's been different books written, and it's, they seem to be uh, gathering a lot of steam, a lot of interest in the Christian world. Uh-huh. and I do read those books uh-huh. and, and it doesn't make any difference if I agree with them or not. Theologically that's their theology that's fine uh-huh. uh, I, I'm a big guy I can accept other people's religious thoughts mm-hmm. however when sometimes when I find a term that's distorted I, I sometimes I do have trouble with it and we do find one of those terms here in the Jeremiah in chapter 51
3: verse uh-huh. 33 okay do you happen uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes, I do have a Bible. Let me see. Let me go back. I've got it all the way up to Hebrews. We're going to get into wow. the book of Hebrews tonight. Yeah, we are. Uh, all we got to do is finish what we're doing presently. <laughs> yeah, let's get through Jeremiah and Lamentations, kind of finishing up, cleaning up as we've made our way through those books. Jeremiah, what chapter did you say? Uh, 50 50?
4: We're doing 51.
3: 51, verse...
4: Uh, thirty-three. Thirty-three. And what a uh, phrase I want to show you is this, uh-huh. because it occurs again in chapter in uh, verse uh, fifty-eight. Uh, it's the same chapter, fifty-one, fifty-eight, uh-huh. but here it's fifty-one, thirty-three. And you see that phrase: He's called the Lord of Heaven's Armies. Wow, that's a pretty accurate translation. and I'm really impressed. That's <laughs> oh great. That's uh that, that's actually what Is that the phrase uh, you're thinking of? Oh, no, I was thinking of the one they call Lord of Hosts, but the actual translation is Lord's armies. Uh-huh. And the only thing I want to mention that for is that you know that phrase only occurs it does not occur in the Torah. It only occurs in the writings after the tour it's the only time it ever occurs huh. and every time that i know of and i'm pretty comfortable with this every time it doesn't say that it was another set of gods or another group of people uh-huh. it says they all are the lord's host but the actual word that you got there is the lord's army
3: that's actually the literal translation that was pretty good the Lord of Heaven's Army. And the verse 58 says it's saying this is yes. what the Lord of Heaven's Armies uh-huh. says. So
4: every time it says those people are in employment, you might say, well, uh-huh. God.
3: The Lord so of hosts. I, A
4: couple of books I've read recently uses that term, and they make some extrapolations. that are saying, well, this must be one book suggests. And he's, he's okay to do that. Uh-huh. his book. He, he paid for the paper to type it. Uh-huh. and uh, so But he'll he, uh, he will say things like he thinks the host are the other gods that got together in a collective, a co- cooperative, a corporation to rebel? And I read that, and sometimes I mean, I hear grinding in my head because I'm thinking, well, that's not how that works. Now, it's okay that he does it, that's his thoughts, and he's selling uh-huh. books. But it always says they are in the employment or they belong in the domain of God the Lord's host, the Lord's armies. Actually, that word that uh-huh. translated is the correct word.
3: Would that refer to angelic well, hosts? Well, now or? the
4: question is, what are these? Are these good spirits, bad spirits, both? Is it angels? What is it? Or can it be people too? Yeah, I could Or uh, could it be simply caterpillars and worms?
3: Okay. Could it be believers who have gone on into eternity? I mean, I guess it's uh, generally speaking, if I I may be wrong, and we could get our listeners in on our conversation. Oh, do you have a phone number? Yeah, we do. We can have, if you'd like to call and be a part, maybe have a thought about this. What does it mean, The, the Lord of Heaven's hosts? Uh, you can give us a call. 210 is the area code, 340-9585. All during the next uh, hour and a half. You can join with us, 210-340-9585. And maybe, uh, I think that we generally think of the Lord of Heaven, the hosts of Heaven, it would be the angelic hosts. So you uh, would consider them to be angels? You know, I've never actually made a study of it. Yes. But I think that's generally speaking when we gentiles read it we just go oh that must be angels must be uh, angels you know we we're
4: anything we don't know
3: we call them an angels <laughs> call it an angel <laughs> anyway that I, I think but maybe someone has an idea out there but uh you come down to those final chapters of, of jeremiah we see uh uh the last things that sees his children being uh, slaughtered before his, that's
4: pretty that's pretty him. bad i don't
3: think uh that's
4: Good time for him. I'll, and as you say, uh, it's the last yep. thing he sees. But do you know what's interesting to mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm, what? Well, thank you for asking. I, I, uh, in chapter 51, uh-huh, sorry, so, yeah, uh-huh. 52. Uh, oh, it, I
3: think should? I know what's
4: interesting yeah, to you. Okay. okay, let's just
3: take a look at that. Uh-huh.
4: What and, verse? Uh, I think it starts at uh, 17, goes through 24, I
3: okay. believe. I wow, believe. that's a lot of reading right there.
4: Well, you can read it if you want.
3: Okay, uh, the Babylonians broke up the bronze. Oh, I know what you're going to get to You here.
4: know what I'm going to get to, and the, I don't even have to the, finish What the Babylonians did,
3: they broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple, the bronze water carts, the great bronze basin called the sea. Remember, I, folks, you remember all these things when we read about the... The building of, of uh, Solomon's Temple uh, during the time of Solomon, uh, the sea, you know, the large uh, labor for washing, ceremonial washings, and so on, all of these articles that were used in the uh, in the temple, and they took, they made a list here, an inventory of all of these things that they took away to uh, to Babylon. Whenever, after they had destroyed the city and the temple and so on, uh, they took all these items, and it lists in great detail. Oh, thank you. I was going to mention that. What they took with them. Uh, but you're going to mention the fact that there's one very significant oh, item. should we make that a question? That's not. What was not included? Yeah, that's good. What was not included? <laughs> that you would expect to be included. Oh, yeah, with all... Yeah, with certainty, you would have thought, well, that would surely be so listed. Everybody in has this. ten seconds to call him <laughs> before Jacob is just busting with the answer here. So you so better ready. call quickly if you want to tell us what was this, what was this very important item from the temple that was not included in this very extensive uh, and seemingly um, complete listing. Of the items from the temple, the instruments and so on, that were taken away from Jerusalem and taken back to Babylon, and I might mention that seventy years later, when Cyrus returns the people, there's also another list given, right? Yes. And then it it's almost it's this list probably that was pretty much preserved for the.
4: Everything is as you said, so detailed, and with the main item is not mentioned.
3: It's- are you going to give them a few more seconds, or are you going to tell well, us what it is? is? Let's say, uh let's say five more seconds, and you all forfeit, I win. How, how about we give them through the break? Oh. Because we got... <laughs> <laughs> oh. He is so much wanting to say who this, what this was, but let's see, let him give him a little time through the break, oh, and, so and be we'll come too back. Too much of a preacher, <laughs> a little bit of a tease there. What what was missing from that list in Jeremiah chapter fifty two, which by the way was written probably by Baruch. We already talked about it. his name means blessing. His was an assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there. He was the one that took. Jeremiah's final messages, his sermon, took it to the king. now well, no, let's, let's
4: not uh, go too fast on that. Okay. The, the last verse in 51 uh-huh, says, uh-huh. up to here are the uh-huh. words of Jeremiah. So he's, so Jeremiah's prophecies, they ended at the last verse in 51. Uh huh. However, what's interesting is, uh, Jeremiah told somebody else, not Baruch. To take him to. Oh, it wasn't Baruch. Yeah, that's why I wanted to cut you off. A
3: oh, good. Bit. Before I made a mistake. Yeah, I didn't yeah, want to. I mean, really. You. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got such a long, long history of not making a mistake I know that you didn't want to see that, that's that a, end. Okay, that's right. I thought it was Baruch who went and read it to King Zedekiah. And remember, he tore it up, right? Well, of it, course. Every he, time he would finish would you, reading we, a page. Shall we
4: see what it actually says? We'll, we'll, we'll look together. We'll, we'll do that. Uh-huh. Why don't you look in chapter 51 uh-huh. and verse
3: 59. 59.
4: Yeah. Man. And
3: let's see. We'll discover this together. It'll be like a trip. we will oh, be like, we'll roll pack oh, like a radio you know. program. Almost. I'm looking for... Uh, the prophet Jeremiah gave his message to Saraiah, oh. son of Neraiah, oh. and the grandson of Malsela, uh-huh. a staff officer. When Saraiah went to Babylon with King Zedekiah of Judah... Oh we went to ba- this was during the fourth year of Zedekiah's reign. He reigned for eleven years. Jeremiah had recorded on a scroll all the terrible disasters that would soon come upon Babylon. all the words written here. He said to Saraiah, "When you get to Babylon, read aloud everything on the scroll, then say the lord you uh, the Lord." And then say, Lord, you have said that you will destroy Babylon so that neither people nor animals will remain here. So, she will lie empty and abandoned forever. So
4: you see, he gave it to this guy. And how did you say his name?
3: I say Saraiah.
4: I will say it that way. Because it's like Saraiya. Jeremiah. Okay. <laughs> now, question is, what? how would Jeremiah know him? He just picks him out of a crowd and says, anybody how got Hey, you. A- Hey, you, That's you, what Sarah I, you means. Hey, hey you. Sarah, you got a you got a laminate you got a laminated pass or something. Yeah, yeah. No, a, well, a press pass. A press uh-huh. pass. Well, would you like to know who he really is?
3: Yeah, sure. Why not? He was the brother of Baruch. Oh, how about that? Now, wait a minute. You know, I think you think I do think there's another passage where. Whereas Baruch read to zedekiah to Zedekiah, and yes, he tore you know, Baruch, up the scroll. Baruch took it to the king,
4: uh uh-huh. of Israel. And Zedekiah tore it up. He did, and he threw it in the fire. Every time
3: he would finish yeah. a page, he'd rip it up and put it in the fire. He thought the guy was just sending him some firewood. You know, he, he didn't. Yeah, pull yeah, it. So keep him house warm. So but, that but, was. But but now uh, we're talking about
4: when you get to Babylon. Guy. On, yeah, make sure everybody hears this. Okay, all right. So.
3: That's who it was. Yeah, we we do good when we work together.
4: Yeah, well, you know, if we actually
3: read what it says, this it works out <laughs> that every That works time. out really well. The book does kind of speak for itself, doesn't it? We better get ready for our break coming is there up. Right? Yeah, and um, so we're going to have folks give us a call if they happen to know what. What is missing in the list of items that Babylon took. in the inventory that they took yeah. and returned? All right, and then uh, we'll we'll get. We'll talk about Lamentations quickly, about this book of mourning and grief. When the nation... By the way, I want to say, if you call in, John will be
4: kind enough to ask you if you know. If you're guessing and the answer's wrong, he'll say thank you for calling, and he'll keep going through everybody till he gets a correct one.
3: All right, 210-340-9585. If you'd like to let us know, what do you think was missing? It's a very prominent piece that was missing from that list. It is the piece. There were, <laughs> we, are, we are doing everything. We're giving the answer, I think, to anyone who knows. But Okay, uh, so we look at the book of Lamentations, grieving over this terrible loss. Uh, that, that Je- Jeremiah had been warning them, it's going to happen, it's going to... For decades, uh, 40 years of ministry, he had been trying to warn the people of the, to to trust God, go back to following after God, leave their idolatry, their false gods, and, and uh, the nation just wouldn't do it. They were, they were a divided nation like America today. We're a divided nation. Those who would follow after the God of, uh, who we believe helped establish America and upon whom, you know, so much. Well, now we seem to be a nation walking away from that legacy of faith and trust and the, the, uh, our biblical heritage. Are being based on uh, the scriptures and so on. So well, don't be wish. offended
4: if you don't get the answer right,
3: but we'll just keep going until we get the right one. Okay, there are a lot of similarities between the time of Jeremiah and the time that we are living today. And maybe we can talk about some of those similarities. All can. of that when we come back. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and uh, the Bible Live will return and we'll go into the book of Lamentations and on into the New Testament book of Hebrews. Don't go away.
4: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it.
3: Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878.
2: Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Our reading was written by Monica Brands. It's titled, Don't Feed the Trolls. Ever heard the expression, don't feed the trolls? Trolls refers to a new problem in today's digital world. Online users who repeatedly post intentionally inflammatory and hurtful comments on news or social media discussion boards. But ignoring such comments, not feeding the trolls, makes it harder for them to derail a conversation. Of course, it's nothing new to encounter people who aren't genuinely interested in productive conversation. Don't feed the trolls could almost be a modern equivalent of Proverbs 26.4, which warns that arguing with an arrogant, unreceptive person risks stooping to their level. And yet, Even the most seemingly stubborn person is also a priceless image bearer of God. If we're quick to dismiss others, we may be the ones in danger of being arrogant and becoming unreceptive to God's grace. That might in part explain why Proverbs 26.5 offers the exact opposite guideline. Because it takes humble, prayerful dependence on God to discern how best to show others love in each situation. Sometimes we speak up. Other times, it's best to be silent. May we find peace in knowing that the same God who drew us near while we were still in hardened opposition to him is powerfully at work in each person's heart. Today's encouragement was provided by our Daily Bread Ministries.
1: Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Eight months have passed since 23-year-old Alessia Cara released her profoundly personal sophomore album, filled with tracks about maturity and lessons learned from difficulties. It was an album that showed fans just how real this artist could be. Speak now or forever,
0: hold your
1: Alessia's tangible relatability has found its way back on the singer's follow-up EP this summer. Laced with more personal stories and lessons, each of these six tracks exhibits further growth as Alessia sets boundaries, learns to love herself, and recovers from breakups. The only caution here is the profanity that occasionally mingles with the heartbreaks and the lessons. See our full review at PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Wallacewski for Focus on the Family, Plugged In. Find
0: out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. I sin and I
1: give You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar is Mount outpour there where the blood
0: of the lamb was spilled. Grace, grace God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse with him.
3: And talking about that amazing grace again. Are we? Are we back on Soapy? We are back on okay. Soapy. Uh are uh, well, back on Soapy. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, no one called well, with the right so, answer. No, no one called with the right answer. That's now. right. So we're going to go. Uh, we're going to give Jacob a chance now to yeah, let's go get him. show his intelligence and his. Well, it's not, it, no, this is very interesting. It really is very interesting. I don't think that a gentile I'm not would showing get this. My
4: intelligence—it's only because I've been told and it's been shown to me.
3: Yeah, well, intelligence has to do with well, how much we've read and the studied guy used as well. To you do know?
4: the lasso, the lariat, and stand on stage? Will, Will, Will uh, Rogers? Yeah. He always used to say, "Just remember this, folks. All those people got those masters and PhDs. They got. They didn't get them for thinking. They got them for repeating what somebody else told them." <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, <laughs> Jeremiah and Lamentations. Well, Rogers that said that, not me. Yeah, Jeremiah and Lamentations. Uh, they are uh, j- just. Uh, books of mourning, of grieving. And yet, in here, there's always that little message of hope. There's always that message of restoration. God is going to restore his people. Uh, after the 70 years of exile, you know, Cyrus is yes. going to come along. They're going to bring so, him back and so what on. what is missing? Okay. What is missing from this list that we and looked as at? as you
4: well pointed out, when they leave, they give them pretty much the same stuff to take back with yeah. them. Okay? Mm-hmm. But... Something, what's the missing piece? It's, it's, that's the missing piece that they didn't get back because they didn't have it. And what's the missing piece listed here? It's, and it's so detailed, Sophie. No mm-hmm. If I had a drum roll, I'd give it to you.
3: Let's see what if is, I have. I think we can find one somewhere. You think yeah. we have a drum roll? No, or? I don't think so. Okay, well let's just let's just pretend. Okay, I'm going to say it's the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, you rascal! You, you're right. How about a rim shot? Wow, a rim, rim shot's <laughs> fine. <yeah. laughs> All right.
4: Yeah, so, Sophie, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, it's not there. So it's not there. So what question would come to your mind?
3: What happened
4: to the Ark of
3: the Covenant? Why didn't they take it? Yeah, what happened? It seemed like they would have, because it was covered in gold. Oh, yeah. And uh, after that, it's the the emblem, the symbol of God's presence. There you go. And it would really put the... So do you know anywhere hmm. where it might have told us something about that? I'm thinking maybe uh, Lamentations. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, no, did I say Lamentations? I meant Jeremiah. Even, uh, what chapter? Uh, probably, uh, uh, let's see, Chapter 3? Oh,
4: very good. Let's see what it says. Do you happen to
3: have your Bible handy? <laughs> oh, I do. I always have my let's Bible Let's look in handy.
4: Chapter 3 of Jeremiah and see when they did something Okay.
3: Chapter 3. I'm headed that door. There I am. I am here. In verse, let me see. I think sixteen. Anytime you're in doubt, just go to verse sixteen. John three sixteen. This Colossians three sixteen. I mean, this sixteen is a good number for verses. Uh So here we go. (coughs) Excuse me. In Jeremiah three sixteen. And when your land is once more filled with people, says the Lord, you will no longer wish for the good old days when you possessed the ark of the Lord's covenant. You will not miss those days or even remember them, and there will be no need to rebuild the ark. Hmm. Because
4: they still still have
3: it. it. Okay. In that day, Jerusalem will be known as the throne of the Lord, and so on. So the point is, is that... So they did it.
4: Chapter 3.
3: Okay. Now...
4: We know when the Babylon, so they knew, they, so Jeremiah knew what was going on. In fact, there's a slang term for where it was hidden. Do you know what the slang term is? Mm. It's called the place where the ark was hidden. No. <laughs> <laughs> that it's nev- called, they'll never guess that. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's, uh, it's called Jeremiah's Hideaway. Okay. Yeah. Jeremiah's Hideaway. Okay. And did Jeremiah ever tell us where that is? Well, he
4: does. So we got the list. <laughs> Of Babylon's coming way back in uh, 52. He hit it back in chapter Mm 3, and guess what? He tells us, in fact, before I do, I'm going to drag out the drama for just a second, by the way. I I have not seen the ark myself. I want to stress that. Oh, oh, man. But I do want to say that I do. Then what use are you you to us? uh, I open doors. (laughs) I polish shoes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm not bad with pizza,
3: right. Okay.
4: Anyway, uh, so but here's what happened. Now, I heard the rabbi, um, before 9/11 uh-huh. um, the Israel did send a group of uh, IDF soldiers uh, escorted by rabbis, uh-huh. and they did find a trap door. As well, like I, f- I forgot, maybe 60 feet under the dirt, they scraped away and there's a trap door.
3: There are all st- kinds of tunnels and everything underneath yes, the, the temple and all. Yes, but we to get to that in a moment. Oh, okay.
4: I thought I'd go ahead and finish my sentence.
3: Uh, okay, I might let you do that. Okay. That'd be great. So
4: they opened the trapdoor, it's a stone trapdoor, and cut inside of Mount Zion was a staircase cut inside of the mountain. Uh-huh. So they had the soldiers up there. Of course, you know, the Muslim fellows didn't care much for that, but they, you know, what the hell are they going to do? So they sent a group, so they found it, and they let the, these group of rabbis, selected rabbis, go down in there. And when they came back, I heard the throne of the rabbi say this, I heard it with my own ears. Uh-huh. I have not seen it, but I did hear this. Uh-huh. And I said, did you find the Ark of the Covenant? That was a press conference or something? Or? No, he was, well, it was not a press conference, but he was giving he was giving a lecture and interview. Uh-huh.
3: So they asked
4: him, did you it, find... Yes, so can I go ahead and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know. If well,
3: I is that the last thing he said, no. though, is that they asked him a I question? I said he,
4: I heard it with my own ears. Uh-huh. And you wanted to know when and where and what his driver's license number was. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but so he said it, and I heard what he said. They said, did you find the Ark of the Covenant? Uh-huh. And he said, I've been asked by the state of Israel to not tell you if we found the Ark of the Covenant. I can only tell you we're not looking for it anymore. Oh,
3: man, I love that.
4: So. Now,
3: the 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 understanding
4: is the last thing, they have have all the vessels remade. Everything is the reconstruction of the third temple. And supposedly they know where the ark is. The only thing they have not been able to locate, to the best of my information, is the breastplate for the high priest. That's what I understand. So, now, with that in mind, we got this list of what the Babylonians carried off. And we, as you pointed out in chapter three of Jeremiah, he hit it way back there in the beginning of Jeremiah. But were we told where they would find it? How did they yes, know where to look? Very good question. So let's see if if anybody in Jer- some place in Jeremiah, Jeremiah gave us the understanding of where it was at. Shall we look at chapter five of Lamentations?
3: All right, Lamentations was also written by Jeremiah. Yes, it is. Okay. Lamentations chapter 5. I am there. Okay. Now, what verse? Well,
4: uh, let's see,
3: Lamentations 5. I bet it's something like 16. Remember yeah, when I is. said every okay. good... Now, let me read it from the literal translation. I said every great verse. If you're in doubt, go to 16.
4: Oh, you did say that, did yeah, you? I, I was afraid you were talking about asking your girl for a date. So <laughs> no. <laughs> I said, no, don't do that. Don't do
3: that. I hadn't uh, done that in forty eight years. You know, I, when
4: I called you home, your wife answered tonight. And she made me laugh. You know what she said to me? What she said? Uh, I said, "Who's this?" And she said, because she answered your phone. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. that's right. And she said, "Oh, this is Soapy's first wife." <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's right. And she you've been is. married how many years? Yeah, almost uh, uh, forty. Forty. What, what so, is? Uh, I've got to get I, this right. Forty-seven years. That's right. Yeah. But
4: it was hilarious because she said, "Oh, this is Soapy's first wife."
3: <laughs> she's she's kind of cool.
4: Uh, okay, so I'm going to read it from the literal translation. May I?
3: Mm-hmm. Please.
4: Okay, because you read Jeremiah three sixteen. Mm-hmm. Right. So five sixteen. Is the explanation, think symbolically, mm-hmm. of where the ark was. And actually, the rabbis that actually were, uh, understood this, so they knew to follow this as their blueprint to find where the rabbis So were
3: they at. kind of used this as a text yes, yes, to guide them.
4: Wow. So here it is. 5.16 reads, The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because our heart is faint, Because of these things, our eyes are dim. Because on the Mount Zion, which lays desolate, jackals or foxes prowl. But you, Lord, rule forever, and your throne is from generation to generation overlooking Jerusalem. Now, what in the world is he talking about?
3: Well, that doesn't, you know, it must be some kind of, kind of, a little bit of code, because I don't get, the place where the Ark well, is. Well, let me
4: ask you. If the if, if you're on your throne, still on your throne, and the Ark is the throne where God is going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you're still on your throne overlooking Jerusalem. Uh-huh. So you're overlooking Jerusalem. So you haven't gone anywhere. You're still on your throne. And we're talking about the ark, uh-huh. and it says the crown has fallen on well, Mount Zion. Consider that to be symbolically like a head. We we'll uh-huh. say symbolically, and if the on the head, what is war but a crown? Uh-huh. And the temple is destroyed, so the crown is the temple. The crown has been destroyed off the head, but you're still. But on, you're still on your throne. Yeah, I get you're still it. Uh-huh. On your throne. And the foxes are jackals. That's a word for the Babylonians. Uh-huh. But you are still on your throne overlooking Jerusalem forever. So that was the key. So in Chapter 3, they hit it. Chapter 52, we, all items are, li- items are listed, but it's not. And yet he left this. And people have really understood this for a long time. So I they, would say
3: Jewish people.
4: Well uh there were other there were groups of Christians in there
3: such as really the, that understand these the things? Knights that, Templar, sure. Oh yeah, that's right. So so they uh-huh. they understood. In fact they make <laughs> the Knights Templar, uh just for our listeners, they were uh from the Catholic Church back uh, in a uh, religious group, huh. Fifteen, sixteen hundred years ago or so uh, or something like near, that. Let's see, about thirteen hundred, I believe. Uh, 1300 thirteen hundred years ago. 14, yeah. And then what I said, thirteen. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they were they they served uh, and they looked out for all things. Now you see them in uh, the Raiders of the Lost right. Ark. You see a lot of and these movies now her, refer you've seen back to them. On
4: the on the, the poncho they were, whatever you call it, there's a big red cross on mm-hmm. their chest. They were very religious. And uh, eventually they got a little too powerful for the King of France, and they had a lot of money, and people wanted their money. The King of England, King of France, didn't like them very much. The Catholic Church got worried about them because they came a little too powerful. Too
3: powerful, huh?
4: They wanted the money, so they actually concocted reasons and excuses, and they did them in. They were powerful, famous warriors. In fact, they were such good warriors, the small band of them had actually taken the Holy Land back and chased the Muslims out. <laughs> now, while they were camped, they built. They made their billets, their camp on top of uh, on top of Mount Zion. and as you started to say, there was lots of tunnels, uh-huh. and they spent a long time searching those tunnels for the Ark of the Covenant because they understood this passage.
3: The Knights Templar. Yeah, okay. isn't that fascinating? It is. It really is. Um, and evidently has a a real place in the history of the nation of the land so the ninth temple we were looking at. and so this this passage was looked at and and identified as one that might t- give us a hint or tell us where the ark of the covenant was hidden we knew it didn't get taken to babylon because it wasn't in that inventory list All right and so the idea was it's there and in this passage from lamentations was taken to mean to give a hint as to where the crown was. Because they walk on top,
4: but you're still on your throne overlooking Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So you're inside, you see. Mm-hmm. Now, just as an interesting point, updating this. Mm-hmm. Later on, a second temple was built and also destroyed. We know about that. And who destroyed that? Hey, Rome. Romans. Oh, boy. Give a pick. Curtain number But three. it was Herod's
3: temple. They, they yeah, uh, say he – But the Romans destroyed it. Well, no, let me see. What What was it? Let me see. We we read about the restoration. Ezra, Nehemiah, the, rest of the building, rebuilding yeah. of the temple, I not the altar. About building, I'm
4: talking about who destroyed
3: it. I, I know. I, I'm just kind of – Ezra, Nehemiah, they rebuilt. And then Herod came along, and he uh, added to it, and they made it again uh, sort of magnificent building right. again and so on. Uh and then that was the temple that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. Is That, that, is, a that is correct, okay. yes. Now, when the Romans destroyed
4: it, they took all the treasures once again to Rome. And all the items they carried to Rome, the one thing that's not there again is the ark. Really? Okay. Now, in, I've been to Rome four times. And uh, there's something called the Arch of uh, Titus. And it's a big archway as you go into Rome, and you know what a relief shelf is like. An arch sure. relief is where something's a shelf, and like characters are sta- on the shelf, but it's out from the base itself. Right. right? Uh-huh. So it's called a relief art. Well, on there you'll see the Roman soldiers and the slaves they and and the and the, uh, and the slaves they they ha- they employed. To carry all the treasures of the temple back, Cause there's a lot of gold and that kind of things. And what's interesting is they're carrying the menorah and the other items. But what's not on that relief or on that shelf on that the archititus? one more time, is the ark is not there. Now, above that, in Latin is a phrase on that Titus. and it's in Latin. And we adapt the phrase in English, and anybody can Google this that wants to, and you'll be shocked to know this.
3: It's not e pluribus unum.
4: (laughs) You'll be shocked to know this, as I was saying. (laughs) Um, It it is hip, hip, hooray. And what that means from Latin is, hooray, Jerusalem is destroyed. So when somebody stands up says, hip, hip, hooray, they're saying Latin for, hooray, Jerusalem is destroyed. Anybody can Google it and find it. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. It truly really is. Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, so, at any anyway, rate, so now the, um, the menorah supposedly is still intact, I, I guess, from what I understand. And it's intact in the lower levels of recesses of the Vatican. They also bought... Really? R- huh, yes. That's in fact, in 1887 or so, uh, there was a letter written by a cardinal in Rome, and he referenced that he'd been down there and seen it. Well, in about 1960, 65, one of the top rabbis in Israel wrote a letter to, you know, there's a pope, there was a German pope that's now retired, right? But he was a pope for a while.
3: That pope, was uh, Pope um, Gregory. No. Well,
4: let's let's just say he's retired. Okay. And so he, he was the secretary for John Paul II. Uh huh. But he was the secretary before he got promoted to pope for a couple of years, and one of the head rabbis in Israel wrote a letter to him. I read the letter; it's been published, and said, "Do you?"
3: Have the uh, the menorah, the menor- the- which, by the way, tell folks what the menorah is. It's why don't you tell? Them? Uh, it, it's the seven. Uh, it's a, a, a candelabra with, with seven. You've seen it before, in movies and of course, of course yeah, you've yes seen I it. Have. Of course, with it has the seven uh, place for seven candlesticks. Mm-hmm. The menorah was in the Was in the tabernacle. And I suppose moving to temple. the, to the, the, the temple, temple as well. Mm-hmm. And it was set in the holy place? No, it's before the holy place. Okay, Church. in the. Um, anyway, you're yeah. right. It's taller than a human being.
4: It's, it's not just a candle really? opera. It's, I didn't realize that. A cl- candelarium. It's taller. It's big. Really? And it's mm. solid gold. And anyway, back to the story. Um, so the rabbi who was in charge of one of the top rabbis, I wrote a letter to the then secretary, who was secretary for the Pope John Paul II, and he said, "Do you basically do you have the menorah?" Uh the letter was written back by the guy that then later became the Pope, but when he was the secretary uh-huh. for John Paul II, and it's a like four-page letter, single-spaced. And it goes on and on and on, and he never answers the question. So, there's a feeling that the menorah is still there because of that letter that was written in the 1800s, 1880s sometime, uh, by that one cardinal. So, if that's there, then they actually had nowhere the menorah is through. Now, all those treasures were carried back. Now, so that means that... And they hooray, and people don't know they go to a party, they go hip hip hooray yeah, of and course they don't, not, yeah. people do not realize that what they're saying is from Latin is hooray, Jerusalem's destroyed they don't know that that that's okay because they don't know, but so it's so that's the the lay of the land on this thing, and that's some of the facts isn't that fascinating stuff
3: It's all kind of it's alluded to in uh, Jeremiah lamentations it's a part of the the grieving and the the uh, weeping over the loss and the destruction. of, And t-
4: at the end in Jeremiah, before he finishes his prophecies, he names 11 nations that will be punished uh, eventually, mm-hmm. and that he promises that he will restore restore Israel into the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so if we... In are, Jerusalem. and Jerusalem, yeah. actually. Sure. And I don't want to get to uh, sidetrack too much, but Israel was reestablished in a jubilee year. Exactly 50 years later, on another Jubilee, Jerusalem was taken back.
3: Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah very yeah. interesting. And then uh, I wonder how this whole thing of uh, President Trump uh, is so many presidents going back now decades have oh, yeah, said uh, we're going to restore Jerusalem as the capital of Israel yes, and, so has, and so on and so on. And he actually moved
4: the embassy to Jerusalem. And it's interesting because it was the only country in the world that the embassy of America was not in the designated capital. of, uh, And Jerusalem is the designated capital. Tel Aviv is the biggest city, but the capital was Jerusalem. It was the only country in the world that didn't have the American embassy in its designated capital. They were worried about aggravating the Muslim
3: world, that kind of stuff. At any rate. But so, I don't think Trump worries about aggravating anyone. Ever. <laughs> That's, he, he's a little bit like Jehu. I've said it over and over again uh, and, that we read about in this. Oh, scriptures. I thought you were talking about me. Huh? <laughs> no, no. I said Trump. Yeah.
4: I know. Yeah. I've met the other guy. Okay. Anyway, so there we go. So there's kind of a now I do want to point one thing out to you. May I point one more thing out? Please do. Okay, look in chapter fifty one. I couldn't stop him,
3: folks, if he he's, well, he's I'll, got i I'll, ma- I'll make it
4: quick, but this is okay, important good. for edification purposes. Sure. Where is it? Uh, fifteen no, fifty one fifteen.
3: Oh Jeremiah again.
4: Yeah, yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah. Fifty one fifteen. Now I want to point out something. Remember how we've talked about for a few years about the order of stuff that goes on with God creating it, uh-huh. and I know in our culture, and I always say this in our culture, I understand wisdom is like the most, uh, the most precious thing you can have. That's the ultimate.
3: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
4: However, biblically, that is not the way things go. It's always wisdom, understanding, knowledge. So I don't know what, how you're using that, but uh, in in our in the in the in the actual reading, in uh, 51.15, it actually says, uh, He made the world by His power and established the world by His wisdom. Mm-hmm. By His understanding, He stretched out the heavens. And then in 17, it says, All mm-hmm. mankind is stupid, devoid of knowledge. And uh, Because they're not listening. So uh-huh. it goes in that order. That's what I'm pointing out. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. In the Proverbs, it does that. Every place in the Bible, it does it in that order. Now, I understand in our culture, wisdom is the best. Uh-huh. That's not biblical. The Bible always, always, always puts it in that order. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge.
3: Yeah, we usually think of knowledge as being good, but right. it's the foundation, and then you build, you become, you gain uh Understanding and then wisdom is the right application yes. of the. What my theory about that is that uh, we actually agree, but we've changed the 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 understanding of the words. I yeah, think we, has we, changed.
4: Yes, we've edited. And we've improved. God should have just asked us before. He no, no, them.
3: I don't think we're actually believing something different. But no, we've re- not, no, we're not. I think we've redefined the words. it yeah. But. It, to be it that. seems like I thought about that a lot yeah. and, and it seems like that's what we've done uh we're still saying the same thing if we but we have to redefine the terms well, you, evidently you know, it, yeah, language changes and understanding changes, of however of words.
4: biblically the only thing yeah. if, you, if you want to be a purist yeah. I, i'm stressing the idea of purity sure, i got it so wisdom was that, that spark that seed that god created and then i sort of like i put a seed in the ground And with my understanding, I know I let it grow, I water it, I I let it grow. And then I know that if I take that seed... Because I've got knowledge, I can work with it and make bread out of it. Uh-huh. But that takes my knowledge. But first, the wisdom has to be the seed that God gave. That's how they approach the
3: it. You have understanding and then knowledge. Yeah, they understand Are
4: yeah, yeah. well, we out of time? We're going to have to go to the Book of Hebrews. Yeah, after yeah.
3: Bread. We we got through the. Let's let's move then from the Tanakh, from the Hebrew Scriptures. Jump over now. Centuries later. Uh, The Messiah comes, the Redeemer. Jesus uh, of Nazareth appears, claims to be that long-awaited, promised Messiah, Redeemer, and carries out his work and ministry. And then uh, he... Goes to glory, he ascends to the Father, and we begin the the church age, the era of God's Spirit. But that's quite a bit before the book of Hebrews. And and even that before the book of Hebrews, but in the first century. But we're jumping ahead, Wade, and we'll continue now our discussion. Don't go away. Open the eyes of my heart.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Open the of
3: episode of the Bible live thanking you for being along with us. we've talked about lamentations about Jeremiah about lamentations uh, fascinating stuff there from the scriptures and now let's move ahead to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament this book written um, evidently well I, we've just been discussing about who is written by we don't know uh, exactly who the author was. Uh, some think Paul, some think Apollos, some think maybe uh, uh, what's that couple? And Anani- not an Ananias and Sapphira, but the uh, the couple that that appear in the Book of Acts and in- Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila. I've heard those names mentioned, um, and of course someone else. And, and I think you're we're saying that uh, it was maybe a, a produced. I have
4: no independent knowledge, mm-hmm. but. Um. I know this. I spent several hours today actually reading ancient writers about Mm -hmm. uh, Hebrews, and especially chapter Mm 6. And I read Eusebius. I read uh, several of the other old writers in the Christian church. Uh And I found some support for your question and the answer that you've you've offered. I also found people that don't agree, surprisingly.
3: Oh, (laughs) yeah, right.
4: but, But... um, I uh, I think that uh, when I've read this, I want to see what the the real intellectuals, the knowledge people, the early church sure. fathers, closest but,
3: to the uh, actual date. Yeah.
4: Now, I will say early on, as you know, they used to always say in the Old King James, they always attributed the Book of Hebrew to uh, to Paul,
3: Apostle Paul. So.
4: I, I think that the people closest to the original events may have had a better knowledge than I do. Uh-huh. And so I, I'm willing to respect that. I don't know who wrote it, but today, and with the readings I've done today, I spent several hours reading it today, the writers, and ancient writers, I guess you call them. Uh, they kind of have convinced me that Paul may probably was not the writer, but I did discover something else that I mentioned to you before the show.
3: The, Every, the quality of the
4: Greek. They said it was the most pristine, most excellent Greek in the entire New Testament. So whoever wrote this was truly a real liter, literate Greek. Hmm. and they Which also, made me
3: think maybe of Apollos. Well, it could, because it could he be was, him, or it could be. He uh, was a Jew, Jewish, but well, also it Greek. It could be I him,
4: believe. or it could be somebody else. All we know for sure. But we do know this that they also have identified that the things he's quoting from was the Greek translation, the Septuagint, uh-huh. not from the Hebrew. So they're able to discern it because of the choice of Greek words, and he was quoting, for, so we, they knew know that he was using the Greek translation. In fact, let me just clear something up. Uh-huh. We all know about the uh, translation of the Torah into Greek. Now, the Septuagint is only only the first five books, the Torah, and that's pr- and those are pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I can I don't think anybody any in the right mind that's a halfway you know halfway of a scholar can criticize those. Those are good, but after you get past that, the rest of it is very poorly translated. So when people refer to the Septuagint, they're not talking about what you call the old testament it is only the first five books of the torah the rest is translated but it was not done nearly as well
3: oh very, very interesting well uh, when we come to the book of, of hebrews for the one for one we get the word hebrews i mean those are that's jews right it is so a it's jews, a yeah. it, it's a book Evidently by a Jew, it's, uh, for uh, yeah. the Jews, is primarily – and the, the general understanding that I have is that the uh, book was written uh, – it references a, a times of, of persecution and destruction. I mean, it was – It the does, except
4: one of the things I – when I was reading today that mm-hmm. they point out is – because there was a debate, when was this book written? Mm-hmm. Well, they all the scholars generally, especially the more uh, mm-hmm. antiquated scholars, and I think this sounds right because the destruction of the temple is not mentioned. Right. So it seems to be, but they do mention Moses, and and here, of course, talks in chapter three about Moses. And by the way, did I ever happen to tell you that Moses talked like Elvis Presley?
3: <laughs> no.
4: I never told you that?
3: I, I, I'm not sure you've ever mentioned that to okay. me.
4: Uh, John, did you know that Moses talked like Elvis <coughs> Presley? Yeah, because he, he went up to Pharaoh, and he said, Pharaoh, uh-oh, Pharaoh, you can do anything but stay off of my subdued juice.
3: <laughs> that's it, huh? Yeah, yeah that's blue, that. blue
4: suede shoes, you know, uh, subdued juice.
3: All right. We'll give you the honor of another rim shot tonight <laughs> with that one. That's That's all right. Well, okay, let's go. We're talking to Jews. Now, I just noticed while I go reading those opening verses it, it it says long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. Uh-huh. Through the prophets and yes. and so this is a book written to Jews evidently by a Jew. He said our ancestors Uh, You know, that's not absolute certainty, but it's a good thought. uh Uh, And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, uh, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in glory. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Now, he goes on to establish in the whole book of Hebrews here, he's talking about the the excellence, the preeminence, the superiority of the Messiah to in first place here, the angels. Then he talks about the old system, about the sacrifices, about the, his his priesthood. Is, uh, the Messiah is greater than Moses, greater than and and so on. So he's he's presenting here throughout the book the superiority of God's redemptive plan. The Messiah uh, is is our ultimate high priest. He may, although he's not from the tribe of, of Levi.
4: Well, you see, now, that's one of the reasons that I I don't know, but I know what troubles me. I don't think Paul would, my personal mm-hmm. opinion, I don't think Paul would make that error. And, and to anybody that's familiar with this, it does appear that uh, I think he's trying to justify it, don't get me wrong, uh-huh. because when we get over to chapter 7, he's talking about, What's in here they call Melchizedek, but uh-huh. it's actually Melech Zedek. Uh-huh. Melech is king, Zedek is righteous. But in English, you put it together it comes out like a name, like Melchizedek. Uh-huh. It's not really what it is. King of righteousness is what it is. But we know back with, uh, was it chapter 14 in Genesis, is it? I believe uh-huh. it is. Uh, that uh, Abraham saw Melech Zedek or Melchizedek, if you like. And, that, and, uh, and
3: bowed to him, right? I
4: don't, I don't think he bowed.
3: Or he gave tithes to him. He gave tithes, him. yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, okay. the Jews don't bow. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, the, uh, there's only once that that took place, and then the next guy had to correct it. But anyway, um, but uh, the, uh, so, and the question is, see, in Jewish understanding, they know exactly who they feel. They know exactly who that was and who his mom and dad are.
3: Melchizedek you're yes. talking about. Mel-
4: Melchizedek, yes. Now, I know there's something here that says he never didn't have mother or father in the book of Hebrews. And I can't imagine an educa- educated Pharisee like Paul making that type of fundamental error. I'm not saying he didn't write it. I'm not saying he's ta- trying to make point. And then he says, but he tries to make the point, as you just said, uh-huh. that the priest... The priesthood, he was a spiritual priest, and he's in heaven. Well, okay, but how does he do that in chapter so So
3: I'm just following up to make sure this is clear that uh, Hebrews here talks about the superiority of yes, Messiah yes. to uh, his priesthood is superior to the priesthood of the Levites, the Aaronic priesthood, because his priesthood uh, supersedes through Melchizedek. He's a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, actually, yeah, that's
4: the he, idea. know we'll, we'll just go ahead and use that name. Uh-huh. Uh, he preceded uh, Aaron and everybody else mm-hmm. and all the Levites.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, since he preceded, that's what the uh, the writer here is trying to say is that uh, it was uh, it was a priesthood that preceded Aaron. So therefore he's on as it says, he's in the order. Uh, In fact, it's uh, 7.15. He says, This is clearer still if another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not as the basis of law and physical requirements, but according to the power and indestructible life. So, but here's here's something I, I was thinking about today as I was reading. I thought, you know, this is interesting. Uh, Melchizedek, he was a physical guy. Uh huh. And the, the point that this writer is trying to make is that there's a different priesthood from the tribe of Judah, because Jesus is from Judah, and he becomes the priest in heaven. But the, his proof of that is the example of a physical guy with Abraham back in chapter 14. That, uh, that caught my attention, and I thought, you know, that's an interesting point, because uh, he's not he doesn't go to anything except a physical priesthood. And, of course, the idea here is then he makes the leap that Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, and he's in heaven as a priest. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine, and that's that's his theology, and that's okay, I accept. But I noticed that he doesn't have proof that he could be from the tribe of Jude. He's trying to make the leap that if Melchizedek could be a priest, and he's not from the priest of, of the family of the Levites, uh-huh. then, and he preceded, then you can have somebody from a different branch other than the Levites also be a priest. That's what he's trying to prove by example right. of Melchizedek. Right, and,
3: and, and, he, and he's saying that the priesthood of Melchizedek precedes uh Aaron, the Aaronic yeah, priesthood, high. and that it is superior in the sense that Abraham, who is the progenitor of the Jewish nation and all, all Jews, mm-hmm. uh, that that he paid a tithe to uh, Melchizedek. And so he's making that point that that's a, a preacher of superior. And it, basically it comes he's quoting Psalm 110 where this, uh, verse four. David says, "The Lord has said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand.
4: That's verse
3: one, not verse four. Uh huh. Until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. By the way, it's interesting, and this is an, it, this is interesting and important for a different reason than what we've quoted. That's right. It was all throughout the Hebrew script that part of God's promise to the Messiah was that He would make the nations uh, uh, a footstool under your feet. I will humble your enemies, and so on. I will extend okay. your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over uh, your enemies when you go to war, your people, and so on. And verse 4 Wait says...
4: you Get to the verse. I go
3: am. Ahead. And verse 4 says, The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And that's where it is, the right. idea is, right is coming now. from, that. quoted in the book of Hebrews.
4: That's right. And, and there's no doubt it says that. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the rest of it goes on to say after verse four mm-hmm. that because uh, you were a righteous king. Yeah.
3: Okay, so, I go back to it. I so, just closed uh, my Bible. I, I closed that book. I know.
4: I, I, uh, I, I heard it slam.
3: Uh, <laughs> I don't slam my Bible. No. Okay, so, uh, uh, that was uh, one ten verse four. One
4: ten verse four. Anyway, my, but my point is,
3: found it once, I can find it well, again. Of course, I you know can, I can. Yeah.
4: You left breadcrumbs, I think. There you go. <laughs>
3: four. The Lord has taken an oath, and when I bring it. you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Uh-huh. Um, Hebrews, okay. Uh, uh, the Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger erupts. He will punish the nations, fill you land, the, with, lands with corpses. He will shatter heads over the whole earth. Yeah. He himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. Right. So so, I don't know what you were going to say about those verses. Well,
4: I was just going to say that, and that's fine. But in a sense, a king doing his kingship stuff uh-huh. is, is a priest in the sense that he's carrying out the duties of the king. So therefore, as carrying out the duties sure. of the king, okay. he would be, in a sense, the priesthood of the kingness. And that's kind of how the the old folks took it. Uh-huh. But that doesn't make it. It uh, doesn't make it right. But it does go on to say it's interesting, and I found this, uh, the rest of 110, to be interesting, that uh, he, <coughs> that he's going to, uh, your people will volunteer freely on the day you come to power. Um, the Lord has sworn, and he will not change his mind. You're to the court of Melchizedek, and you'll sit at his right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. And he will judge the nations. I find that fascinating that uh, I found it fascinating when I, started, when I was studying it today that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God. Do you know why?
3: The hand of judgment. No. The hand the left of.
4: Hand, left, I'm
3: sorry. The okay, left hand on.
4: of God. There's a book written by a rabbi uh-huh. called The Left Hand of God, which is that's the one that does what we'd call not good stuff judgment. Judgment. But. The right hand of God is the one of mercy. I don't have any problem with judgment, by the way. So I know you don't. It's uh, I've heard you have troubles with judgment in the past, but not tonight. <laughs> I'd say, what are you doing that for? And you say, because I want to. <laughs> right, so but but all, but all joking aside. So here it is. He's on the right hand of God, and but when when we go back here, so he said the priesthood has not changed. And he's making the argument, which is an interesting argument. He's saying, look, if there was a priesthood under Melchizedek, we're using that name Mm -hmm. as a title, or that title as a name. And he's saying, if that was the case, then that still consistently goes on, I guess concurrently, with the priesthood of the Levites. That's a very interesting argument. I don't know how I feel about that, but I know that would be a tough sell for Paul to make if Paul wrote this book. It would be a tough sell. Now, I think you and I can agree that the book of Hebrews is written to what we'd call Christian
3: Jews. Right. So I think he's
4: definitely trying to say that.
3: Well, the early early church of the first century Mm -hmm. uh, began clearly ultimately, among the people of Israel, I mean, there were James, the brother of Jesus. Sure. The, the church in Jerusalem was okay. uh, populated primarily mm-hmm. by uh, Jewish people and and people who had converted to Judaism. Uh, others, we read about the Ethiopian eunuch and others that were uh, that are listed there in, in, in the Book of Acts are mentioned to us. So, but this book seems to be written to mm-hmm. Hebrews. By a Hebrew person, evidently, <clears throat> he says, our ancestors. <clears throat> and he's talking about the superiority of, of Messiah. Now, and, and I think it's an important point that a lot of us, I don't think, understand. Those of us who uh, generally – I don't know. I don't even know how Jewish people think of this. Uh, the, the idea of the Messiah. The Messiah is – the Messiah now i'm not talking about uh, others who were saviors in a given era right. like there's, Moses there's, or there's
4: like there's several messiahs, but there's
3: only one the messiah. the Messiah this uh, ultimate redeemer that's right. mentioned in Genesis chapter three and alluded to throughout the right, 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 right. all these we prophecies got, we got to, and so on we understand each other. the the messiah it, it, i I think we have to, we need to understand as as believers today as we read the New Testament. The the Messiah is act, actually has two, how would you say, identities. The, there are two roles. Maybe that would be a good way that we see the, the Messiah in the first place. That the Messiah is the eternal Son of God, the uh, a person of the Godhead. He is okay. he is God, uh, God the Father, okay. the so, Son, the Spirit. So that's one. What's the other? <laughs> the other is that the Messiah is the begotten Son, the one who is born. The there, the that Messiah, that Son of God, becomes a man, a person, fully, full blown human being. So that's how you delineate. And so they. I thought are, you were going to say he's a
4: priest and a king, but I guess.
3: No, that would be another thing. But I'm, I'm just trying to say that in his role as Messiah, uh, even that first verse we read at the beginning of oh, Hebrews, yeah, only, it says. It, it, he's your son you know from eternity and so on and so on but now now he has spoken to us through his messiah mm-hmm. right, okay. so we have to identify both of those roles and sometimes uh, Jesus is referred to in the in the new testament scriptures as the eternal son of god john in the opening verses of the book of the gospel of john in the beginning was the word and the word okay, was god okay so
4: your point is he's both god and he's a man. Yeah,
3: and on the other hand he has a role to to fulfill to be our redeemer to become okay, our Messiah but, uh, he had to live listener a perfect out there, life
4: are the two items you are referring to is that he's god and a man
3: yes and in his role as the man he had to live a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the what father say, as right? a man so that he then could be our substitute our the lamb without blemish without spot mm-hmm. and take upon. and so that that being a part of the formula it looks like what the book of hebrews is saying is in general He's establishing the superiority of the Messiah, the redemptive plan of God, and this one that God would send to fulfill the redemptive plan of God by being the Lamb of God. And he's saying that, generally speaking, that for the Hebrews here they're going under persecution, they're going under problems because of their faith in Christ, and and some well, of them were it, saying it wasn't it's kidding.
4: because of that. But yeah,
3: oh, well, uh, some of them it, it was a part partially of that, but the, they. He's saying, for some of them, that may it might be getting just a little too hot in the kitchen. It's too hot if there's too much pain so he's involved. Writing this is a lot of encouragement <clears throat> to Jewish Christians, but at the same time, it has a, a, a little bit of a warning there now that you can't. Some were saying, "Okay, I it's just a little too much pressure, too much persecution, uh, and so on, and so on for." believing in Christ, I'm going to go back to being... See, that's what confuses (coughs) me, frankly, because the Romans
4: allowed Jewish Christians to be Jewish Christians, but they would not allow Jews to...
3: Later, it it was an evolving uh, recognition. At first, they were both wildly persecuted Along with, that because happened. it was seen I, as I
4: don't a, want to get We only got five minutes. Left, I know it, so I it was seen as
3: somewhere. a sect of Judaism, and therefore they both suffered persecution. But I'm not talking about Roman persecution. I'm talking about some of them were receiving persecution from uh, in the Jewish community that they they were being put aside. They were being rejected because of, they felt like they were they were what they were, they were rejecting their Judaism uh, to become Christians. And so the idea is that they would they would get – in other words, overall, there was a lot of pressure because of their conversion well, I don't know to follow where you, Christ. I, don't, I really – with, with all saying due respect, the, I don't know where you get that from.
4: The only chapter ever makes reference to anything close to that is chapter 7 of the book of Acts. But they were still meeting and continued to meet in the synagogues.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Uh, I'm not making a huge point of that. I'm just saying that that it seems like in Hebrews the point is yeah. uh, that we look, it kind of culminates. What is it? Chapter seven, where he talks about if if it were possible to fall away from uh oh, chapter t- turning away from the faith, you could not be reestablished, restored to that. I, because but don't you?
4: you I want to ask you an honest, uh-huh. sincere question. Don't you find it interesting if mm-hmm. it, this is written to Jew, Jew, Jewish Christians, and yet. So you can be a pagan, you can believe in the Greek gods, you can go back to that, you can murder, you can do everything, but the one thing that appears that you can't do is practice the Jewish religion. Wait, don't no. cut me off. That's the not one what I'm saying. You, the one thing you can't do is go back and be, worship God in the way God said in the Old Testament. That would prohibit you from returning?
3: It has nothing to do with worshiping God in the way it said the Old Testament, which they couldn't do anyway because the temple was no longer there for its sacrifices. But the point was is is that, in other words, the redemptive plan of God moves forward. There's one redemptive plan. It was always through the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Okay, I got that. And, and so, but it rolled out progressively. Yeah. And, and some of them, because of the pressure, they were saying, okay, I'm just going to go back to believing at this level, and I'm going to unknow what I've found out about the Messiah. And he said, no, that you, you can't, can't unknow what you've known. Your
4: understanding of that passage yeah. is that he cannot do that. Yeah. And then he can, if he's fallen away, he can't return.
3: It, he said, if it were, listen, he said, if, you, if it were possible yeah. to fall away, which I believe he's saying you can't fall away because I believe in the the security of the believer. But if you could fall away, you couldn't be restored. And he's just simply making that point. Go ahead. We're ending up our program. Thanks for being with us, folks. We so appreciate you being along with us. And Jacob always ends Uh, by saying.
4: uh, Always be the kind of person you would like to
3: have for a parent. Amen goes there. Thank you, folks, for being with us. We'll see you next week.
1: The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore
3: the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast.
1: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help
3: minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.